The Battle of the Labyrinth, Chapter 19. The Council Gets Cloven. There were too many goodbyes. That night was the first time I actually saw camp burial shrouds used on bodies, and it was not something I wanted to see. I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood. Join us as we journey back through a childhood favorite series. And see what lessons we can learn as adults from these books that meant so much to us as kids. I'm already crying. It's so sad. It's so bad because the chapter title is so funny to me. And then it's like, there were a lot of deaths in the battle. And I was like, oh no. Yeah. It is like, the chapter is like, the council gets cloven. Like, haha, so funny. Everyone was dead. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, welcome back to Return to Camp Half Blood. This yeah, I is, say we leave that one in. <laughs> this is a very special episode in a lot of ways because it is the final chapters of the Battle of the Labyrinth, but also this is our 50th episode, guys. Woo! Really? Yeah. Oh, Give wow. or take. So exciting. Give or take. It it is technically it is the 50th episode in our timeline. I wasn't sure if we counted our bonus Patreon preview episode, but I did. And so this is 50. Okay. If we if we if we don't, next week is 50. So vaguely 50-ish. I'll take it. I'll take it. But we've done a lot (laughs) is the uh is the thesis of that. So that's very special. Um I didn't really think of anything good to celebrate that, but I wanted to note it. We'll celebrate our year anniversary more. Yeah, we will. That'll be Um, fun. That'll be fun. Uh, Yeah, so we're talking about the final two chapters of the Battle of the Labyrinth this week, chapters 19 and 20. The council gets cloven, and um, Percy has a birthday. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) 50 episodes in, and I still don't remember to pull up the me neither. It's the names not, of the chapters. Not great. My birthday party takes a dark turn. Okay. It was close. You had Percy as a birthday. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. All right. Now that I have said a lot of stupid things, Ava, would you like to take it away with the summary this week? Would I like to? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to. That's, I know my obligation. (laughs) (laughs) Who has a timer? I have the timer. Okay. (laughs) All right. Three, two, one, go. Okay, everybody's dead. And basically 19 is like people taking care of the dead people and kind of burning them into the sky sometimes. And then also um, people get healed and um, maybe I misinterpreted that. Okay, I don't know. Um, and then people get healed and then um, everyone goes home and um, Percy is like, oh no, Annabeth, like, why aren't we that close? Why are you distant? Um, and then um, um, there's a big environmentalism moment. Um, but then, okay, comes home and then Paul's like, I think I'm going to propose to Sally. And then Nico pulls up. <laughs> All right. And then that, pulls up. that was a very random assortment of the things that happened in the chapters why were you looking at her so weird brayden like that happened i just like the the people burned up and went into the sky well because for a second i was like did i misinterpret it is it just like the the shrouds that cover them that are burnt 
but I mean, their bodies are burnt, but I, I just never thought of like smoke as like their bodies going up into the sky. Well, that's not what it because when I guess it kind of is. Well, because the 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 text was like, um, sparks flew up and we saw like stars or something, and I was like, oh wow, like that's them. <laughs> I think it was it was very beautifully written. Yeah. I just thought uh, their bodies going up into the <laughs> that was just an interesting way to phrase it. You yeah, it's interesting because the the dead people um, everyone died apparently. Um, <laughs> that was also my I was like okay, a couple people died. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, Brayden, it's a Saturday. I know. <laughs> Uh, but I've done worse. <laughs> you're, no, you're so right. I'm trying to think of what you forgot. It's interesting because the people dying was like the first page of these two chapters, and I also got stuck on that. Yeah, like in coming up with my music. Um, I forgot the moonlight bit. The moonlight, yes. But like I, I remembered it, I just could not fit it in. Yeah. But yeah, Grover doesn't get kicked out. Yeah, the council council is very mad. Dionysus comes back. Yeah, I was gonna say Dionysus. That was that was the big thing. We get two two gods featured. Yeah, three three Hera. Oh my god, Hera. Yeah, a lot happened in these chapters. Wow. Yeah, true. Um, Yeah, so we have a little talk with Dionysus, a little talk with Hera, a little talk with Poseidon. (laughs) Poseidon. Anything else? I think that's it. I think that rounds it out. Yeah, I mean, the chapters aren't, like, they didn't feel jam-packed to me, because they were, like, your classic closing the book chapter. <coughs> Less? Very sorry. Yeah, that was a sneeze. Okay. <laughs> uh, seasonal allergies. Been here, done that. Very, yeah. Yeah. All right. I chose some music this week. Yeah, you did. For you our did. our our final two chapters. So they had to be important. They had to be good. Um my first selection for you all is for chapter 19, Mad World, but the Demi Lovato version off her new album. That song <clears throat> is so fucking sad. Mm. It it is for them like watching the funeral shrouds be buried. I think that's a really sad moment, and I think it's a depressing it song that really gets to the state of like, damn, this is real. Like we see Percy kind of realize that this is real in these chapters, yeah, um, because people are dead now, and I think Mad World is a good song to capture that. Yeah. Yeah. And then for chapter 20, this is my like outro to the book song. Yeah. Changed by Taylor Swift. Taylor's version. As you should. Of course. So good. It's it's just we'll sing hallelujah. It's a revolution. We'll sing hallelujah. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) It's like like these things will change overnight. Um that's true. I'm not even a change stan at all, but I just love to hear representation of her. I cannot believe you used that fucking song. 
I think it's perfect. Honestly, it this might be a hot take. If if Rick Riordan is looking for suggestions on what song should be the theme song for the series, I think Change would be a great opening credits song. You know how much Change means to me. Girl, it's a pretty good song. It's so good. I love it. I It's just like about... It's not necessarily about growing up, but like it also is, it's about, yeah. it's about growing up, not in like the childhood way, but in just like growing up and moving on, like things, accepting that things are going to change and that they'll keep changing. Um, but it like is, w- one day things will be fine. It has similar energy to long live. Yes. Know? Like in the sense of like, this can close the book, you know? Yeah. Guys, for all the listeners who don't know, I used change to audition for America's Got Talent when I was nine years old, which is why I can't believe it's being brought up so much in my 19-year-old life. (laughs) It's so crazy. But yeah, love that song. Very important to me. And it's so good. And it Mm -hmm. fits perfectly. Um, I just like, my exact picture is Percy and Nico, like they go, they sit on his bed. Percy gives him the cake, but then we have this like crane, uh, bird's eye shot, like going out from them. Like, and then we like, we go out the window, we like see New York and like, we like, it's just like that kind of backwards thing. Um, and then it fades to black. Um, and then it's the end of the season. Oh, <laughs> so dramatic. I'm very proud of that thought. All right, what did we forget? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh. What I didn't for, okay. I've set a precedent of forgetting everything that happens in this book, I think. But what I didn't forget was the Clarice and Chris Rodriguez thing, because I just think that that is so ridiculous. I'm sorry, what? Where did it come from? Why? Anyway. (laughs) I think maybe it was like Clarice. I mean, it was obviously done to soften Clarice's character. And I agree, but she doesn't need a love interest. Like, I don't. I agree. It's so irritating. No, I'm not saying they should have. I'm saying that's exactly why. No, yeah. I I think they're like, Clarice is too butch. Let's give her a girlfriend. A boyfriend deserved a girlfriend was given a boyfriend. Anyways, straight people. <laughs> straight people will be straight, straighting. Um, <laughs> I forgot that I Dionysus has a, <laughs> I forgot that Dionysus has a little moment. Me too, oh, yeah, me too. I completely forgot about that. And that I forgot that he had like has like only two sons. Yeah. That he named after two of his other sons. It's a weird choice. There's like, I had twins again. Might as well give them the same names. He's he doesn't really strike me as a creative person when it comes to stuff like that. Your your efficiency right. over creativity. So he doesn't mix them up. Yeah, exactly. But that's so sad. Yeah. You know, we kind of hate Dionysus. He's annoying, but you know, he's been kind of coming through with these past couple of books. I was gonna say, I really liked him in these. Yeah, this chapter. He was mean, but like funny. 
Ever since like the Titans curse, he's been like coming through in weird ways. <laughs> Come through, mama. <laughs> it helps that he's Stanley Tucci too, just forever in our minds. It does help. Actually, picturing him as Stanley Tucci a great deal. helps a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have to agree. I also forgot that. Um, I mean, surprise, but like I forgot that um, there were twins named Castor and Pollux, which I think is really cool. Because myths. Well, not anymore. <laughs> There's only one now. Good night. <laughs> Gotta go. Um, yeah, I also, like, I forgot that people did die in this battle. Like, Ooh, it feels I, like a no-brainer, but... I did remember, because it was like, oh, shit's real now. Like, mm-hmm. like... People have died, yes, but not in like a large scale battle like this. And this is the first time that it's like, oh, this is like actually a war. Like we're not just like a couple select kids going on quests and getting in trouble. Like these are like, like this is a war now. Yeah. And it's interesting too that like people are killed, but they're very tangential characters that don't mean a lot to our other characters except Dionysus, but like Dionysus, I wouldn't even call one of our main characters. No, definitely not. Although I find it, I think that they acknowledge that they're not main characters in like a really like haunting way. Yeah. Percy's like, I didn't even know that kid's name. I went to camp with him for years and I didn't even learn his name and now he died like oh my god that's so frightening especially as a kid because I feel like you know as a kid you go to school with people that you don't really pay attention to or like you just general social situations that you don't pay attention to and I remember being a kid and reading that and being like there really be living breathing people all around me and some of them I don't find important but then one day like that was crazy and that's something that's really interesting and hard, it's hard to deal with in a way that we don't acknowledge. And it's yeah. also interesting that it's a thing that he acknowledged in these books. Because, like, in, now in our 20s, like, we've all experienced people who we, like, do something with but don't really know dying, passing away. And it's just a weird reality of life that we don't prepare kids for. Yeah. I mean, we don't really prepare kids for any death well, but yeah. <laughs> I I also forgot um, little Paul asking Sally to marry or asking Percy to ask Sally to marry him. I knew it happened. I just like, I knew they got married, but I, I didn't remember the scene until the scene started and I was like oh my god he's gonna ask if he can marry Sally it was so cute so cute that whole chapter was like adorable because I also forgot the on the topic of like children but like this is happier this is not them dying um Poseidon being like you're my favorite son and I was like I was like, "You're, are you serious? Are you serious? Tyson is standing right there and you said Percy's your favorite son? Yeah. I'm sorry, but one of them <laughs> is a raging misogynist and the other is Tyson. <laughs> it's really funny because there's a 
really high chance that Poseidon also just said that to Percy to like make him feel good. Like, oh, of course. He might be like, well, I, I technically have two favorites, but you're, but no, but you're my favorite to give you the strength to do everything you need to do in the next one. Yeah. It's really easy to tell someone you think is going to die in a year that they're your favorite. Oh my God. Not to get too real, but. <laughs> What else did I forget? I mean, I think I forgot that Grover didn't get banished. I thought he <laughs> yeah. did. But they're, they're just, it happened so fast that Darius is like, well, if we're at an impasse, dissolve the council. And Salinas is like, fine, I will. And then it just doesn't exist anymore. And then Grover's suddenly in charge. <laughs> yeah, he suddenly gets power. <laughs> To, like, tell the others what about to do. This is so unrelated, but I forgot that Annabeth didn't say the entire prophecy. And, like, it's such a brief moment, but I was just, like, skimming back through and realized, like, Percy's like, what was the whole prophecy, Annabeth? And she's like, no. And I forgot that she just, like, omitted a line and, like, never told anyone until right now. And, like, I get the symbolism of that, but I was like, holy fuck, I forgot she refused to tell anybody the end of the prophecy. It's like, hmm, these prophecies kind of be couplets often, right? Like, yeah. kind of ends a little weird. Nah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, it's also, that line was really sad. The lose lose yeah. uh, love to worse than death because she experiences it twice. Because she loses Percy. She thinks it's about Percy. Oh. Halfway through this book, when Percy dies and is sent to Ojigia, doesn't actually oh. die. But then she he comes back, and Annabeth's like, "Fuck! I thought we resolved this prophecy." <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we find out that no, it's Luke. Wow! Wow! And she says that in the chapter. She's like, "I didn't know who it was about." And that kind of, yeah. that really struck me. Anything else we forgot? Hera's here for a moment. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah, about I that Hera comes back. About. Yeah. She doesn't stay for long. <laughs> She's just no, like, you're okay, but, Annabeth. But she, <laughs> she, <laughs> she makes an impact and she also begins to set up the um heroes of olympus oh yeah that's true because she's like you're gonna regret this and then she takes her boyfriend away spoiler alert but um because i knew that they they start i could not remember why Hera and annabeth hated each other because they were getting along they weren't like annabeth wasn't getting along with her but Hera was like really trying I also forgot that Hera like orchestrated everything that happened. Yeah, really, a lot of the major points. And uh, we'll talk about this later. I have I have some thoughts about it. Um, but take a quick break and then we'll be right back. All right, guys, welcome back. <laughs> this week our theme is growing up. Oh. I think I admit, forgot to say that at the beginning of the episode, but our theme this we're week is- We're saying it now. We're saying it now. 
yeah. The, the theme this week is growing up. And I didn't realize how much I would see growing up everywhere in this chapter. It was kind of just like end of the book, growing up feels right. It is like a huge theme and like very like, it's actually overtly stated, I think, which is what we can go and talk about first with Grover. And mm. uh, I, I didn't bother to find or mark where it was in the chapter, but Percy and Beth are like, Grover's really grown up now, huh? Yeah, it was so nice. <laughs> this is it's especially because such... I feel like, oh, sorry, but like no, I don't. feel like Grover is spent has spent the entire series being like considered, maybe inadvertently, the one that like Percy and Annabeth have to like take care of. Do you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. just sort of there eating tin cans, and like he'll come and use when he can, but like they need to like protect him. So to have them be like, oh, he's growing up. Like he's in charge now. I was like, oh, I mean, he probably could have done this at any time. You guys just really feel like you need to protect him. But like, it's okay. Good that you're acknowledging it now. Yeah. I, it is really important. I think that Grower's dynamic with them is interesting because he starts off as both of their protectors and then they each kind of grow up to protect him and he loses a little bit of that role. And then we see him grow up again, not in the way of like having more power than them, like in the ways that they've grown up, but in a way that he just, he starts to pursue different things. And so he still has his relationships and dynamics with them, but his focuses are completely different place than theirs. And I think that just says something interesting about the reality of growing up. Like you grow up with other people around you and for a lot of the time that you're growing up, you have static dynamics in a way that like, you're maybe like power levels in those relationships change, but you're in, you're stuck in that adolescent childhood same frame and same place but then like you grow up I like going off to college not even just going off to college but just like as you grow grow up getting into high school I would say primarily and then like going off to college and everything you just start to focus on different things than the other people you grew up with and you just kind of separate off because there's different things that you care about um even if you still care about those people I don't know if any of that made sense. No, it did. But, yeah. Okay. I was trying to keep up with my mouth. I <laughs> understand. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of wild how... I think... I don't think this is the truth, what I'm about to say, but I think it's an interesting theory. She's about to lie. No. I, because I don't, I'm not a pessimist whatsoever, but I, I don't, this is just a take that my brain thought of. It's, it's interesting kind of how like thinking about growing up in, you know, reference to the characters of the series, it's almost like growing up means just more bad shit happens to you. And like, I don't necessarily think that's true. Um, because I think that there can be a lot of bad shit that happens to you as a kid and you are just 
sometimes blissfully unaware. Um, but I think that this book, or yeah, this book particularly, but I think kind of the end of the series almost demonstrates that like, like forced loss of innocence, which really sucks. You know, that's yeah. really depressing. I think going off what you're saying, clearly uh, Percy Jackson as a series is a textbook coming of age uh, series. Um, and I, I think you make an interesting point of like, it's framed as growing up is more bad stuff happens to you. And then also, but like Percy has been having awful stuff happening to him his whole life. And so that's what makes me think growing up is being an active agent in the bad things that happen to you. Not like causing, not in the way that you like cause the bad things to happen to yourself, though you can, and Percy does, but in the way that growing up is learning how to handle the bad things that happen to you yourself. Yeah. And, and, and just like, you happen to be more aware of them. Yeah. yeah. I know. I completely agree. That's why I was like, I don't think this is the truth, <laughs> but like on some level, like I observe it happening, I guess. Yeah. I think you were headed the same place. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that I was, um, I just, I just think it's really interesting. It's just a lot of it is about agency and about responsibility, like how much are you responsible to take care of yourself? Yeah. I think the unfortunate part of this series is, okay, I feel bad because Kyron has been doing really well, but an unfortunate part of the series, it's not just Chiron's fault, it's actually all the gods I will blame for this, is that people being forced into a lot of responsibility way before they're ready for it. Yeah. It's unfortunate because I think Chiron tries to prevent that from happening, you know? Like, I, I think do. that that's one of his, like, big things is that he really tries to, like, keep everyone as, like, stable and uninvolved as possible because, you know, like, people have their own lives. Um, but, like, he is just stuck in such a lose-lose situation all the time. It just sucks. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think the the sad reality is Chiron wants to let them just be kids. And that's why he tries to, but he also can't. He's actively fighting against a world that doesn't want to just let kids be kids. And I think that is a good metaphor for the real world, especially in today's day and age. And it's really hard to keep kids ignorant in a world of technology and yeah. so I think that that poses my an interesting question how much is it our responsibility to keep from kids because we're in a world where in which you can grow up really fast because the stuff is there so what is it our responsibility to try to keep them ignorant and try to keep them in their childhood for as long as they can be or to be a more active guide into the world that is bad and help them in their growing up process or try to keep them their growing up process longer. Yeah. I Easy have question to answer. Here. I know. I have weird feelings about this. Oh, I just put my laptop on my lap. It was way hotter than I was expecting. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I have weird feelings about this because 
I feel like growing up too fast on the internet, this is like so not what this podcast is about, but growing up too fast on the internet is like pseudo growing up. Cause I feel like a lot of like what growing up should be is experiencing things, unfortunately. And like, sometimes they're bad or like just, I don't know. I feel like you actually grow up when you experience things, not when you see proof of others experiencing it, which is like what you see on the internet. So like you grow up too fast, but in a weird way, because you don't really know what that thing you're looking at the internet, like looking on the internet is you just like, are seeing it you're not like actually living it so I think it's I don't know it's definitely weird how people like grow up quote-unquote in the internet because it's not really like nothing on the internet is real but like that's really not real (laughs) yeah it's like interesting because there's definitely levels to it in which you don't really experience a lot of things but then you can also also experience a lot of other things that are internet specific that have implications in the world you can be exposed to this uh adult content i was really had to think of how to phrase that in a not x-rated podcast way um but you can get exposed to adult content at a very young age and most kids do because the internet doesn't really have good safeguards for it how much should we safeguard that's for other people to decide not me but it's hard because that is a real experience. Like you're not actually experienced having sex, but the act of viewing adult content makes you more apt to want to do that, to pursue that yourself at a younger age, you know? Um, And the same thing, like you can get mercilessly like trolled and bullied on the internet. We all saw cyber bully. We all saw what it did to her. We did in health class. If you watched it recently, it's kind of funny. No, I haven't. It was in like seventh grade <laughs> it's wellness. Like truly an awful, awful movie. Like it's like not good. I wish it's it was so good. bad. Rewatch Cyberbully 2021. <laughs> but like th- there are real implications to being mean to people on the internet. Oh yeah. It's it can get ridiculous. Yeah. It's just it's a lot easier. And kids get bullied at school. And should get kids get bullied at school? Maybe a little bit. But, like, on the internet, it's a lot. <laughs> We're not having this conversation right now. I don't know if we can come out as pro-bullying on this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm not pro-bullying. Okay, we're not pro-bullying. We're not pro-bullying. We're, we're pro-universal experiences that help you grow up. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. There's a difference between bullying and like conflict. That's You're right. right. You can end it there. That's true. <laughs> so we're pro like healthy conflicts. Yeah. We're not pro bullying people. We're pro surviving bullying. No? Did I phrase that that well? I just really? feel like um... surviving is the wrong word. It builds character. Don't bully people. But it also builds <laughs> trauma. It also bu- builds trauma. Trauma and character are the same god. thing, I would argue. Oh my god. Oh, that's, god. That's not good. Well, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but. 
necessarily think it, they're related. They're always synonymous, though. You're, no, they're not always synonymous, but they're definitely related. They can be, I guess. Yeah. What's interesting, going off of trauma and growing up, oh. our characters experience a lot of trauma. Yeah. And Period. you can see that do two things to people. Experiencing a lot of trauma at a young age either forces you to grow up really fast or to refuse to grow up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that most of our characters in these books grow up really fast and that's what they have to do. I think it, it has to do specifically with the type of trauma that they're experiencing, with, which is like physical violence that they need to defend themselves against. Um, so I don't think we have room in, in this type of trauma for the other ways um, growing up can manifest around it. Um, but I just think it's interesting. I think the saddest place we see it though is in chapter 19 and we see Nico. I was gonna say, if you're gonna talk about Nico, I completely and totally agree. I think seeing his development is just like so deeply heartbreaking. Cause Rick really set him up at the beginning of the Titans curse, like this really sweet, excitable kid. And then next book, he is so sad and just, he has grown up like five years in less than a year. And it, oh my God, it's ridiculous. I think Percy makes a good point to Nico that Percy also needs to take for himself. You can take time to be a kid, so. Yeah. And I think. He was so fucking sweet. It was so sweet. And I, it was really cute when he was like, Hades has 4,000 attack points. And Nico's like, actually has 5,000. And I know this because I think it says a really good message to adults that we can take into our lives that is like yeah we're pretty much have grown up we're growing up and I think everyone universally has grown up a lot in the past year living through the pandemic and everything else that went on during the pandemic but it's okay to take time to be a kid again it's okay to like sit and like watch a Pokemon movie. It's okay to to listen to Taylor Swift and just like enjoy it. Like you need to take times to enjoy things for yourself that maybe society doesn't view as uh, productive or redeemable or important. It's okay to enjoy the things you want to enjoy. It's okay to collect little things that you want. It's okay to have your little Squirtle pop funk um, sitting on the back of your Zoom. Oh. Sorry. That was an at to myself. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's okay to enjoy things. It's okay to read, get joy out of reading Percy Jackson once a week. Uh, to maybe okay es- to have escape a, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Especially because society is so... Oh my God. Okay, quick quick little rant I don't know where this will go um because I have a lot of ways that it could but I I think society and like in large part like 
the sometimes it's the arts sometimes it's like media um like comedy I think are very very focused on like what's cool is putting shit down like what's cool is not caring you know what's cool is finding some way to criticize everything and not caring deeply about anything and like because that's not what people think is edgy or like that's not funny and I'm like that's why I have such deep disdain for comedians who's like only shtick is that they like rip on various like just like ways of being a person <laughs> like you can be funny without tearing things down all the time like you can like I think the only way to like make fun of something that I can actually get down with is like if you love it so much that you are confident that like you are you are so secure in your appreciation of this thing that you understand what the flaws are and I think that media and arts and comedy do not quite go there and I think a lot right now of those industries um, or a lot of members of those industries are very very quick to tear down anything that anyone enjoys and so like I don't know I, I think it can be very hard to let yourself enjoy things especially when society is telling you that like you're not desirable or like you're not fun or like people don't want to be friends with you if you like to I don't know like read Percy Jackson <laughs> like that's not like real but I I don't know I, I don't know where it's where this is exactly going at this point but like it's just ridiculously irritating to feel like you're wrong for like having fun yeah I think that I think that's a problem in <laughs> entertainment and media and art universally and I think like specifically while we're talking about growing up, I think we undervalue children's media a lot, which is not me saying like all children's media is good because it's not, but I think we undervalue that one, that I think we undervalue that children's media can be good and should be good because it's really easy to produce crappy kids content. And I think we see that a lot with my friends who have kids now, the stuff that their kids watch is all about light and sound satisfaction. It's to keep a kid looking at a screen and indoctrinate them into capitalist society. <laughs> um, but, like, it's it's really just, like, the thing, like, Cocoa Melon, what is that? It is... I don't know. <laughs> it is, like, bright colors, bright lights, bright sounds. When children's content can be educational and important and teach people things and that's why I think our podcast is important because there is value in looking at young adult fiction at at children's books and being like okay this these are the important things we can learn from it because there's a lot in here and there's a lot in here that we did learn and maybe we didn't sit down and like be like this this theme and this is where I saw it and this is why I learned it. But like these are the things that that media and books and art teach kids and young adults. And so that's why I think it's important to to acknowledge that they can do this 
and that they should do this. And we should put a lot of effort into the children's and young adult media that we create because yeah, and this goes on to like, like children, like little kid stuff, like Disney Channel shows, like even up to like things aimed at like middle schoolers, early high schoolers, like Riverdale and stuff. Like that's just something awful to show middle schoolers, not in the way of like, it's like a bad influence. It's just like, it just has a lot, not to shit on Riverdale. I don't want to do that, but like, we should aim for our art to have redeemable societal implications. Especially, Um, yeah. I mean, I think especially because when you're growing up, when you're in like middle school, um, a lot of times sort of the entertainment that you consume is your entire world. Like kids feel so much and so strongly, um, especially about sort of the things that they consume because that is so much of them. Like that becomes you, you know, the things that you consume, like you are a conglomeration of everything that you have ever witnessed. And I think that is so fucking cool. But (laughs) besides that, um, I think that like, especially when you're younger, like there are only a select few things that you've witnessed. And like, for example, if I had never seen a movie before and then I watched a movie, I was like, that's my favorite movie. Like that is the best. So like when kids haven't really consumed a lot of media, like the things that they do consume, like when they're young is very important to them. And so I think just giving them really shittily, you know, done entertainment just because like they're like quote unquote they're just kids like doesn't you know it doesn't matter like it really matters that I think it actually matters more for them yeah and we get we develop our values just as much from the media we consume as the people who raise us especially our generation and like generations following us who have media so much at their fingertips media has always done this and uh arts and literature have always done this, but the accessibility of media in this day and age is so strong that it's more important than ever to to assess what values the media and art you're producing are putting out into the world. And with that, SAS moments. All right. I had mine bookmarked. Um, This is in in the beginning of chapter 19. Uh, They're yelling at Grover for his story. And he said, that wasn't it, sir, Grover said. Oh, oh, wait, I'll I'll read the line before. Um, Sacrilege, perhaps the wild god favors us with a blessing, or perhaps Grover's music was so awful that it scared the enemy. (laughs) That wasn't it, sir, Grover said. He sounded a lot calmer than I would if I'd been insulted like that. This is very funny. Good for Grover for keeping his composure. Mine is a Tyson moment, of course. Uh, you believed in him. Without Briaris, we would never have taken down Campy. Tyson grinned. He throws good rocks. I laughed. Yeah, he throws really good rocks. Come on, big guy, let's have dinner. It was funny, but also so cute. It was so <laughs> sweet. Rocks. You do throw good rocks. You do. Yeah. Mine's a Poseidon moment, actually. Um, it's in 19. It's when Paul and Poseidon are meeting for the first time. 
And um, Poseidon raises eyebrows as they shook hands. Blowfish, did you say? Uh, no, Blowfish, actually. Oh, I see. Poseidon says, a shame. I quite like Blowfish. I'm a Poseidon. <laughs> <laughs> such a good moment so much so many good moments from that conversation now that i'm reminded of it right you're right i used to teach ancient history and sounds like that's me ancient history it's like well it is all right before we get to share our offerings this week we have some listener offerings to share uh i i don't have all of them to share but i picked some um, standouts, um, so we can all take turns reading some. Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, our first one here is from uh, one of our prior guests, Matt Williams from Fandom Encounters. He says, hmm, offerings. Mrs. O'Leary for defying expectations time and again. Briaris for coming, overcoming his trauma to help, um, and he wants to vote off the island. Garion and Eurishan for war profiteering and sloth because capitalism is the true enemy. Period. You know who you're talking to. (laughs) (laughs) Should we just... Okay. Um, (laughs) Our next one is from Emily Draxler. Uh, Her offering is for Grover for factoring his fear, uh, finding Pan, and causing the panic that ended the battle. Period. Have to agree. I am always down for giving Grover an offering. Um... And our next one is from Robert, um, someone who we've had on the show before many a time. And um, his offering is for Mrs. O'Leary. And they want to vote Brayden off the island. (laughs) So that's cool. (laughs) I agree with you. There's no reasoning provided for that one. But um, okay. (laughs) Our next uh, listener offering I don't want to mispronounce your name, but I'm going to try the my hardest I can. An- Ananya Saxena? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I tried my best. Anyways, uh, they said uh, Annabeth will get the offering for me because when she got her quest, she didn't get the chance to lead it, which I think is such a good I reason. Fully really a good agree. point. I agree. Fully agree. And they would also like to vote Gary and off the island for animal abuse and selling demigods to Kronos. Again, I have to retweet. Agree. <laughs> yeah. All right. Our next one is from Ari. And they say, um, half Nico. This is one of the most confusing, difficult, lonely periods of his life for sure. I agree. Um, and half Annabeth, girl really went through it. The quest, Rachel, Percy's death, in quotes. The list goes on. Um, Percy, I know he's a kid, but he acted like a little shit in this one. Oh, that's who they're voting off. Forgot to mention that. Um, but he acted like a little shit in this one. He was the most irritating in this book. He did some good, like when he comforts Annabeth before the quest, but where was that energy later? Points. Points. <laughs> this is a very, very, very good duo. I would also like to sh- to shout out that um, Ari censored shit by putting a little asterisk instead of the I, <laughs> and I, I really oh, liked that. Yeah, we appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for for writing in, and thank you for everyone else who also write, wrote in. I did include your um, counts into our final totals um, this week. 
we're each going to get two votes for offerings and for vote off the islands, one for these two chapters and one for the book overall. So do we want to do them in back? We'll, we'll do the chapters for everything and then we'll go back and do the book overall. All right. Who are we giving an offering for for chapters 19 and 20? This is a controversial take. Um, and maybe I'll go back on it. But as of right now, I'm... Oh, okay. I was going to say Dionysus. Scratch that. Paul Blofus. Uh, I really was about to say Dionysus, though. I think I am going to give mine to Dionysus. He did well. Yeah. He did well during these chapters. He's been uncharacteristically nice over the past two books. Um, and yeah, his son died. That's so sad. Why, you know, he did not deserve that, even though he's kind of an asshole. So yeah, I'll give mine to Dionysus. He, and like, he did like a selfless good act and like carrying Chris Barber. Like that was so nice. Yeah. I struggled with who to pick because I think everyone did really well in these chapters. Um, but I have settled on Sally because I want to. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> no, but but also um Sally because I want to. I Sally doesn't know what's coming for Percy. And Sally is trying her best still to give um him a normal life uh without knowing that there's a, this prophecy that she he's gonna her son is gonna die in a year like that's not what it says but like it's heavily implied <laughs> um and but also i'm giving an offering for her because she's also really taking time for herself again and i we her journey is in the background of this story but i i want to make sure it doesn't go unnoticed um Sally has been very selfless and she's finally doing something that makes her happy. And that is Paul. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. Also, it was really cute when she sees Poseidon at the door and gets a little flustered. I was going to say that must have been really stressful for her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who are we voting off the island? Um, okay. This is weak, but like Poseidon probably should have announced in any way that he was going to roll up. That's fair. Um, and he was still a little too vague. Like, thanks for visiting Percy. Also, Tyson deserves to be your co-favorite son. I agree. <laughs> That's very real. I agree. I don't know. Mine might have to. This is also weak, arguably weaker. I think Luke, because he wasn't in it, but seeing the impact on Annabeth just still sucks. <laughs> and like, like Annabeth was not like the same whatsoever. She could not function around her friends and anyone who kind of does that to someone else. Mm -mm. <laughs> girl bye <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I am. I agree. I'm also going to jump on Poseidon, though. Um, I don't like that he got gets a lot of credit for showing up once in a while. That's true. It just says a lot about how much we require moms to do in society and how little we expect out of men. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Back to offerings for our overall offerings for the book. Yay. (laughs) I'm actually so excited. I love these tallies every single time. Uh, Who, okay. My overall book offering is Grover. Oh, we're doing, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Because Grover is the best that's it <laughs> i have no to but agree. like grover just has a really nice journey in the this book and uh i'm thankful for grover <laughs> i don't know i just and we also don't get to see much of him again he is in the next book but he's not as big of a part of the next book and then he kind of disappears and um i just think he he does a lot he gets what he always wanted and it's not what he expected it to be and that's sad but he still takes it upon himself um to take the responsibility and I really admire that yeah as much as I agree with that mine is for Annabeth um for the same reason as one of our listeners wrote in I've been saying from the beginning all she has ever wanted in life is a quest. And this is the one she gets to lead. Like something that is so deeply painful to her and sees like Luke in the state that he is. But also she thinks Percy died for a hot second. And all of these people, like all of her, you know, she's been at camp one of the like, well, the longest probably now that Luke isn't there. And, you know, while Percy may have like half known these people who died, like she probably really knew them because she had been there for so long, you know, like everyone who died in this battle, she probably like had at least a, a genuine friendship with because she had been at camp for so long. So it was just a very rough book for her, but she made it through it because she's a star and I love her. So you both make very compelling cases. <laughs> I don't know. It's really tough because those are the two that kind of stood out. You can go with our third favorite. But. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I th- I'm going to have to split it half and half between those two, honestly. Because those right. were very compelling cases and I have to agree with both. All right. And then who do we want to vote off the island who fucked up? Is Garion too easy? Um, I was that too. I think maybe, I think but like he did bad. So I yeah, I might go with Luke though. I kind of feel bad for Luke. Um, like, a little too bad to vote him off for the whole thing, just because, like, 
he's gone. Eh. You know? Um, I feel nothing. Mine, mine is, is mine. <laughs> I also feel nothing. Glad you mine, mine is Minos. Oh, that's fair. Oh. That's very fair. Yeah. Minos was awful though. throughout the entire thing. Still Luke for you? Yeah. <sighs> said two votes for Luke in one day. Yep. <laughs> All right. Then I'll vote. Yeah, I'll vote Karen. Even things out. There we go. <laughs> Share the wealth. <laughs> All right. And let me do a quick little once over to make sure all those numbers are correct. And then we, I will share our final tally. Very exciting. This is the part that I always get excited for. That's what I meant. <laughs> Just need to make sure they're all in the right order so I read them correctly. Got to move around my little spreadsheet. I love my spreadsheets. Anyways. I like your spreadsheets too. It's kind of amazing that you like do them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to start with uh, voting off the island so we end on a high note. Um, for votes off, tied in last place with all one votes, Poseidon, Percy, Eurytion, Brayden, Camp Half-Blood in general, Pan, <laughs> Hephaestus, the Patriarchy, Perdix, Nico, Hera, Quintus slash Daedalus, Neve, Annabeth, the Stoll Brothers, Malcolm, Oh no! Oh, oh, sorry. These are these are the two two votes off. Annabeth, Stoll Brothers, and Malcolm, uh, with three. Oh, actually, this is who I should have voted off. Too late now. Kelly. Um, oh my God. The Council of Cloven Elders and Zeus all tied with three. Zeus is great because Zeus wasn't anywhere in this book, and he still made it into third place. We just hate um, him. <laughs> Yeah. And then tied for second place are Minos and Luke. <laughs> and in the lead, the winner of being awful, Garion. Period. Period. I am the only host of this podcast who did not get voted off the island. You are. <laughs> she escaped this season. What did I do? Congratulations, Ava. Thank you so much. This island is lonely now. <laughs> <laughs> and for our offerings... Tied with one, we have Dionysus, Chiron, Clarice, Percy. Percy did not make it very, very high up the, the, this book. Um, the Naiad and Bianca. Tied with two, Paul, Sally, Briaris, and Juniper. With two and a half, Nico D'Angelo. Uh, with three, both Calypso and Rachel. With four, Mrs. O'Leary. And then in third place, our boy, Tyson. In second place, our girl, Annabeth, with seven. And in first place, our main goat boy, Grover, (laughs) with eight. Yay! I'm so happy for him. And I will, since we're going on to the next book soon i will give a quick little update i'm just gonna tell you our top like top i'll give you the top five of um our total like running series list mm-hmm. so top five being voted off gary in number five with six Vance yeah. was in in two chapters and made it really high up annabeth tied with him at with six percy 
with seven and a half in third place. Oh, actually, that's a lie. Percy's in second place because Tantalus has seven, and then Percy seven and a half second place, and Luke, number one asshole, with eleven. Eleven. With eleven. Wow. <laughs> Our offerings a lot less diverse, much higher numbers. In sixth, uh, in fifth place, Clarice with nine. Yes. <laughs> in fourth place, Percy with eleven. In third place. Annabeth with 6.05. In second place, Tyson with 17. And in first place, with 23 total offerings over the span of the series so far, our man Grover. Grover! (laughs) As he should. That margin is massive. All right, folks, that is all for the Battle of the Labyrinth. Whoa, that oh book God. blew by. It we, really, really, it really did. We will be starting the last one again soon, but next week we will be joined by Erica Ito from Seaweed Brain and Fran McMahon. Oh, I fucked up her last name. We're joined with Fran from the Best Damn Camp <laughs> podcast, uh, uh, where we will be watching Wonder Woman. Oh, <laughs> you have one job I every know. week. I know, but we're watching Wonder Woman. It's very exciting. Does it have any relationship to Battle of the Labyrinth? Not really, but it's Greek mythology ish. Amazon. <laughs> And we want to watch Wonder Woman. Raise the glass for Hippolyta. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media. We're at Return to Camp on every platform that matters. And we also have a Patreon and a Redbubble store and a website. <laughs> www.returntocamp.com Thank you. Woo! We'll see you next week. See you next week. Woo! 50th time we waved him out of the camera. <gasps> <laughs> Yeah. Right in. Oh no. I don't know what's happening with my technology. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is that? I was trying to pull up the timer to do the um summary, but I accidentally clicked Instagram and you know when you accidentally click Instagram and then it goes to reels and then you leave it, but it's still playing for some reason. Oh, sorry. Maybe just, just me. I have never once opened reels. I do, I've never intentionally, but sometimes I accidentally end up there because the button's on a different place on every account I'm signed into for some reason. Oh, I actually, yeah. Uh, but it was, it was so funny. And then I and then I got to Spotify and then I accidentally pressed play on <laughs> on the playlist. So we heard a little preview. Mm.